Cole. So uh, right now, uh, for the next couple of weeks, we have some of my friends, uh, uh, friends of Kindred. Tonight's speaker is part of Kindred. She goes to church. She's here at the 7 o'clock uh, with her family uh, every single week. Her husband up here, Elio, is the biggest Jets fan on the planet. He may be the last Jets fan on the planet. Crystal, uh, more than once I have seen wearing a Jets jersey, which means that she is a supportive and loving wife, and we are very impressed with that as well. Uh, but tonight we have somebody who I've known close to a decade now that I've admired, that I've worked with, that I've been on teams with. Um, she is now the executive, I think I got your title wrong, but I like this, the executive director of the YMCA in Longmont. She runs the show and she is awesome. So when you guys get tired of me and I'm out of here, she'll be my next boss as well. So she is awesome. We're so excited that she's here. Um, she's sharing a very personal story with us tonight that uh, she gave this idea to, to Lindsay and I about six weeks ago and to see what she uh, developed and came up with and what she has tonight for us uh, is just incredible. So I think you guys will be challenged by it and also uh, extremely blessed by it because I've already been able to put some stuff into action in my own head and heart from hearing her and reading it these last few days. Um, I will say this too. The nature of it is not like a hide your kids and run away kind of thing, but it is deeply personal. And so it's the kind of thing that by virtue of a few people in a room, I know that this story will hit some of us in the room harder than others. And I want to make sure that you know that it's okay to, you know, take a break or if you need to do that and, and, and get some space and some breath uh, of air if you need it. Uh, my speaker, our speaker, our friend tonight is, uh, she's an incredible mother. She's wise. She is strong. She is brilliant. And I am thrilled to introduce you guys to my friend, Crystal Yepes. Give it up for her. Hi. Thank you, Zach. Good evening, Kindred. How are you? Yes. I am humbled and honored to be here with you this evening. And thank you to Zach and Lindsay for giving me this opportunity to share one of my most personal and defining moments with you all. And I believe that God has something for each of us in it. All right, so how many of you are Colorado natives? Anybody? Yes, all right, all right, cool, cool. Born and raised in Colorado, very proud. So I grew up west of here, and I moved around within small towns of Eagle County, but I spent most of my time growing up in Gypsum, Colorado. Anybody heard of it? Maybe, driven past, all right. <laughs> so my parents were high school sweethearts, Andy and Glinda. My dad graduated first, and then he went to serve in the Marines for two years, then came back and married my mom after she graduated. Then they had me, and then a year later, they had my brother, David. I remember in elementary school, my dad used to come home late a lot <clears throat> because he chose to drink and party with his friends. My mom, she wanted a better life for me and my brother, so she made the difficult yet wise decision to divorce, to, to divorce my dad. After the divorce, the partying and the drinking turned into a horrible addiction to alcohol over time. My dad used to promise my brother and I the world, but time and time again, he would fall short of his promises. My earliest memory of feeling the pain of abandonment was when I was in fourth grade. My dad promised my brother and I a trip to Elich Gardens. Anybody remember Elich Gardens? Back in the day, raising your hand, awesome. Um, back then, Elich Gardens to us had the best roller coaster in all of the state. And David and I were so excited to spend quality time with our dad, but also the roller coaster. We're so excited. 
So we stood by the window all day long, paced by the window all day long. And when a car would drive down our street, we would grab our backpacks and run to the door because we were hoping that the waiting was over and that our dad was finally there. But we were only disappointed to find out that it was our neighbors that were just passing by. So at 9 p.m., David and I looked at each other. We hung our heads low, and we knew that our dad was not coming. So we walked to our bedrooms. I remember, at least, crying myself to sleep that night. But throughout high school, David and I experienced similar disappointments. But for me, it sparked anger, frustration, and anxiety. David and I watched my dad while he was on a roller coaster of addiction, stacking up DUIs, in and out of jail, court dates, stays in rehab. It was hard on us. When I was 24 years old, my brother David tragically died in a car accident. And it was at that moment that I was like, this is when my dad is going to snap out of his addiction because I need him to comfort me. I need him to be there for me because I lost my best friend, the one and only person who experienced the pain, the anger, and the frustration that my dad's addiction afflicted upon us. But I know that my dad needed me too. I was hoping that we would be there for each other during this difficult time. But sadly, my dad chose alcohol to deal with his grief. And so my pain only grew in multiple ways. The loss of my best friend, and then my dad who was unable to or unwilling to comfort me, be there for me, to help me. I was in no place to forgive my dad's actions. But as a Jesus follower, I felt compelled to forgive him, to reach a place of peace. So I sought out the why. God asks us to forgive the three different points of scripture. In Matthew 5, 43 through 44, Jesus is teaching about loving enemies. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and not your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In Ephesians 4, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. And in Matthew 6, verses 14 through 15, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I don't know about you, but for me, those verses stir up a lot of emotion in me. But maybe you can relate. Maybe you have a loved one, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, maybe your boss disappointed you, betrayed you, or hurt you. 
The mandate, even just these three verses, is to figure out a way forward. But sometimes it doesn't feel fair to us when we hurt. The place that really impacted my search comes in Luke 17, verses 3 and 4. Jesus is talking to his disciples about forgiveness and faith. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, seven times come back to you saying, I repent. You must forgive them. Jesus is teaching his disciples what it means to rebuke. To rebuke does not mean to point out every sin we see. It means to bring sin to a person's attention with the purpose of restoring them to God and to their fellow humans. When you feel you must rebuke another Christian for their sin, check your attitudes towards them before you speak. Do you love the person? Are you willing to forgive? Unless rebuke is tied to forgiveness, it will not help the sinner. In verse 5, the disciples' response to Jesus is, increase our faith. I can definitely relate to that because seven times in one day, that's hard. That's hard to forgive. The disciples' request, it was genuine. They wanted the faith necessary for such radical forgiveness. But Jesus didn't directly answer their question because the amount of faith is not as important as its genuineness. So what is faith? Let's look at, the, like, let's look at a definition of forgive. To grant for or a remission of an offense, debt, or absolve. The root of the word forgive is the Latin word perdonar, meaning to give completely without reservation. Perdonar is also the source of our English word pardon. Faith is also total dependence on God and a willingness to do his will. Faith is not something we use to put on a show for others. It's complete and humble obedience to do God's will Readiness to do whatever he calls us to do. The amount of faith, it isn't as important as the right kind of faith. Faith in our all-powerful God. Faith in God, trusting him with my dad, that's a choice that I finally made after years of trying to help my dad conquer his addiction. I could no longer save my dad, I no longer had control over his actions, and I was exhausted emotionally, physically, and spiritually. In 2015, I sat next to my dad at the VA hospital in Aurora, Colorado. The doctors came in and they told me that if my dad continues down this path, his liver will give out, he'll have heart failure, and he could die. My dad had three days left in the hospital. What was I going to do now to help him? That night, I prayed there, our Father. You may know it as the Lord's Prayer. It's familiar to most of us. But in this moment, the words, they became vivid, real, and powerful. Please, 
Say this with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. As I prayed this prayer, this part stuck out to me the most. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. It was like I was having an aha moment. I'm a sinner. I fall short. God forgives me. God forgives us. Forgiveness is giving others what God gave me. It's offering grace to people, the same grace that God gives us. I also prayed and asked God to show me how he sees my dad, because my dad is his child. He deserves love and grace. But what I also found with that request is God also showed me that I need to take care of myself too. That to forgive does not mean to forget. That I don't have to continue to be a doormat and continue to let myself be hurt. But I can love someone who hurt me with boundaries. That I can forgive and I can rebuild my relationship with my dad. In those three days leading up to my dad being discharged from the hospital, it was like God aligned all the right people to help me with my dad, to help him on his path to recovery. I received resources from the hospital. I was able to put my dad on a wait list for a rehab center in Los Animas, Colorado. He was put on the top of the wait list because he was a veteran. The caseworker gave me amazing advice. She reminded me that I needed to set boundaries in place for my dad, that he needed to sign an agreement that before he stayed with me, he needed to promise not to drink under my roof because I'm now a wife and a mother to two kids and they do not need to witness the dark side of alcoholism. She also gave me really good advice about taking care of myself as well. So I made sure to call my therapist work out my anxiety, and also take care of my needs to ultimately put on my oxygen mask first before I put on my dad's. My dad agreed to receive my help, and within days, we received a phone call that his application was accepted to Fort Lyons Rehab Center in Las Animas, Colorado. My dad completed his six to nine month recovery program. He bought a house within a mile of the rehab center, and he was working on himself. He was finally on that path of recovery that I hoped for for him for so long. I was so proud of him. He did it. In 2016, Following our agreement, my dad came to visit me and my family while he was sober. He sat across from me at the table, and he grabbed my hand, and he looked me in the eye, and he said, 
Crystal, I am so sorry for everything that I put you through. He was asking forgiveness, and he was genuine, and I forgave him. But I was also grateful that God showed me a different side of my dad, a man who was thoughtful, generous, a man that would take his shirt off of his back for anyone, a man that was a Jesus follower, but was often lost, but he, he found his way back. For the next four years, my dad would struggle to stay sober. He would call me often from his home in Las Animas, Colorado. He would call me sometimes sober. He would call me sometimes not sober. But every time I talked to him on the phone, I made sure to meet him with love and grace. I wish the story had a happy ending. My dad lost his battle with his addiction to alcohol on July 2nd, 2020. He died in the hospital all by himself because COVID-19 wouldn't allow me to sit next to him this time. So instead, our last conversation was not me nagging him to make better choices or me begging him to get better for me and the kids, but instead it was me telling him that I loved him and that Jesus loved him. And his response in a weak voice was, I love you too. When I cleaned out my dad's house, I found three items. Notes from the last time he was in rehab, which was October 19, I'm sorry, October of 2019. Before he was discharged, all of the people who were working on their sobriety wrote encouraging notes to my dad. I want to share one of those with you tonight. Andy, I don't know where to start. You inspire me every day we shared here in rehab. Your work ethic, your commitment to the program, and your commitment to yourself. I love the way that you love your higher power and the way that you share that love. I love your concern for others and your willingness to find the best in them. Keep working on your program, my friend. Thank you so much for sharing or showing, by example, a better way. The second item that I found was a wood panel that was in his closet. And it reads, I find my Lord, and I always will. And the third item is this note card that was wedged in his Bible. And it reads, Help me to look for your grace in everything. Give me a joyful heart, and please reflect it on my face. This is evidence that when I trust God and I let go of control, God's will is done. Even though my dad's story did not end with him conquering his addiction, God still used him to inspire and encourage others to stay on their path of sobriety while they were in rehab, while he shared his faith in Jesus with them. My dad was lost, 
but he intentionally wrote down his roadmap on that wood paneling. His note card, it's a legacy he left with me, with my family. I turn to this note card as often as I can. It's a good reminder that I can, I can find God's grace in everything. And God so often builds bridges in our stories. I'm a branch executive at the YMCA in Longmont, Colorado. In a nonprofit leadership meeting, the executive director of the Recovery Cafe asked me if she knew anybody that could volunteer. I thought of all the people who helped my dad on his path to recovery and knew that this would be the best opportunity for me to heal and honor my dad. My therapist thought this might trigger me, but I felt like this was a calling to be obedient to God's will. And I thought it was a risk I was willing to take. My first day volunteering at the Recovery Cafe, one of the members approached me with a big smile on his face and he said, hi, my name is Andy, would you like a tour? Oh my gosh, it took everything in me to hold back the tears because right then and there I knew I was exactly where God wanted me to be. I volunteer twice a month at the Recovery Cafe. This community is so special to me. I get to encourage the members to stay focused on their recovery, listen with no judgment, and create a safe place for them to work on their challenges. Zach shared Colossians 4, 5 through 6 with me. When I serve at the Recovery Cafe, I think of this passage. It reminds me to continue to show up with grace in the same way that I did with my dad. I want to share that with you. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. When we tell others about Jesus, we should always be gracious in what we say. No matter how much sense the message makes, we lose effectiveness if we are not courteous. Just as we like to be respected, we must respect others if we want them to listen to what we have to say. Seasoned with salt, that means that what we say should be tasty, and that should also encourage dialogue. Relationships are messy, and forgiveness can be hard to both give and continue to give. But as Jesus taught me with my dad, he's always at work using our story to work good out of it, to give us hope, and to remind us that no matter how bad it gets or how dark things seem, he's in the middle of the mess with us. Let's pray. God, you are good. You are sovereign, and your will is always the right way. But sometimes your request to forgive, it seems impossible, God. It seems impossible because we hurt. Maybe we were abandoned, 
betrayed or disappointed, God. But we know through your son, Jesus, that anything is possible. God, thank you for sacrificing your son to pay the penalty for our sins, God. Lord, shine the light on us on the dark path sometimes that it's hard to forgive. Remind us to show up with love and grace. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.